the optimal life. I was looking, I got it ironically, was looking at a video online this morning and it was some guys on stage showing the audience how powerful AI is currently. And they were taking a sound bite of this female's voice. And it was about a, a 10 second clip. The first three seconds was actually her. And the remainder was the AI. It sounded identical. And they're saying, hey, this is what, this is where we're at right now, where you could literally take three seconds of Thomas's voice, get a snippet of it, go out and talk into it. It's going to sound just like you, talk just like you, inflect just like you, and all the risks associated with that. Well, what are your, what's your take on, on where we're at with AI currently in the state that it's in? Uh, Nate, that's a great question. And that's a, you know, that, that ties into deep fakes and, and, and how you can, you know, some nefarious use, but uh, the flip side being, you know, that'd be pretty handy for sending video messages to people um, on content. So uh, AI is, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. So if you're not leveraging this to speed up your content creation, using it as a strategy advisor, leveraging it to create videos of all sorts, to accelerate your brand awareness and effectively your lead generation, you are getting behind. And what, but what about the risks? Obviously the, the technology is fantastic and it offers tremendous opportunity. But when these guys say, hey, I could take your voice and then call your mom or your family member and say, I forgot my social security number, mom. <laughs> I mean, think about, think about where that could lead to. Yeah, I mean, it, there's incredible risks with this. And so uh, what you described there is an absolute scenario that's gonna happen. Hey, this is my kids. Uh, and people are going to have to be just vigilant and aware that these things are, you know, being educated that they're out there. And, and so what humans will do is find new ways to validate new ways to um, do two factor authentication from phone calls of you might, who knows in the future, it might be like you start off with some kind of word of the day that the AI has no idea what it is. There's no way it would know. And, and the risks are there across, right? So explainability and transparency and models of, of, you know, trusting of the verification of the data itself or the content and in the content being in this case, maybe your voice or your behavior, that is really scary. And, uh, but the world will adapt around to it. You know, regulations will come in place. There'll be massive scandals because of it. Um, it's, it is a real risk. Uh, the flip side of that is there's really great advantages to it. And like anything, there's good with bad. Yeah. And I want to get into some of those advantages with you. Of course, the, you're the, you're the AI nerd, as you call yourself. What made you even want to get involved in this? What was so fascinating about AI? I mean, the URL was available for like 14 bucks. So I just well, that's a good start. That's that's why I did it. No, so I've always been a fan of technology, you know, born out of the dot-com era. Uh, I definitely remember myself being a better developer than I was. But I always talked very good about technology. And I was really drawn to what it could do to impact your life, business, you know, what have you. As you go through that kind of career path of consulting and other things, uh, you know, during about, about 10 years ago or so, this thing called intelligent automation came out where it was, you could automate processes at the kind of the, the graphical user interface level. And then, and I saw that I was like, oh my gosh, this transforms like, you know, the business BPO markets and the business, you know, business process outsourcing markets and how we do business. And I was also getting introduced into Watson and AI and these other types of technologies. And I was like, man, if you can combine those two, your decision-making and your ability to execute at incredible speed it's off the charts. It's going to be, you know, exponential. And that's, that's where the love of it came just this fondness for technology and, and the cool stuff it can do and then how it applies in real life. And that's taken me to where we, and I saw the problems in the marketing and the other stuff. And I just kind of applied some of those principles to that niche. 
Well, you know, when I was going through school, I always remember my parents used to tell me, be nice to the nerds. <laughs> the nerds are going to be, they, they're the ones that run the show when you get older. And I got to tell you, the AI nerds, you got to be really extra special nice too. <laughs> well, there I, I'm an AI nerd that talks and I understand the, the uh, I could get it sold. I could get it implemented. I can get all the people and the mechanics of, of these things and these technologies. The guys who write the code and really understand the algorithms and, and build all these models, they're, they're the real AI nerds uh, behind it. And, and, you know, the, you know, the data scientists that, that truly support it, uh, but there's, you need both. You gotta be able to create it and, and get it sold and implemented. So um you know, that's- now, now you said your company, but when we first started instantly relevant, um, instantly relevant.com, you mentioned before we went on was one of the early adopters to chat GPT. Yeah, we, we've been on OpenAI's beta side for almost three years. We weren't the earliest adopters. There was plenty that were ahead of us, but we were accepted in early. Uh, and as we started as a company, we were using it for content creation and in uh, some other uses like that uh, with their prompts. And we were even raising money to say, hey, we want to build this you know, cool lead generation platform that helps enables humans and AI to come together. To, and people looked at us with a blank stare of kind of like, uh, what's open AI and, and what's you know, AI legion? And like, so you're trying to explain the tech you're building on and, and then when you're building. But now everyone has an idea of what it can do just at, a, at a, even a nascent level. Uh, and so we're, we're like, oh, wow. So it's great. Everyone's catching up. Um, I will tell you the tip I would give you first on this on this podcast is everyone's going to be able to create content quickly. It'll still really, it'll matter even more uh, that it is somewhat authentic and creative for, and it'll even matter even more of what you go do with it and how you interact with it. So that's, that's the piece is, you know, once everyone has the advantage, there is no advantage. So the advantage will come back to thinking through your strategies and executing. Yeah, we are, we understand AI a little bit more, at least I do, but I'm still a deer in the headlight as you kind of just described. So when you say open AI, what exactly does that mean? Open AI is the company that owns ChatGPT. So they, they're the company that has these amazing codecs of AI models and things you can leverage uh, to build, create, you know, execute. One of the leaders in it for sure, as uh, you know, Microsoft put tons of money into them, like 10 billion or something like that. And you know, as Google catches up, Amazon, other places, Apple, it, it, it'll there'll be more and more of these that'll be out there. So with your company instantly relevant, what exactly do you guys do? We really focus on lead generation for the entrepreneur. So that could be an individual, small business, the founder, the startup, the marketing director of one. Uh, we help them find leads. We do it really, really well. Uh, we, we typically focus on LinkedIn because that's where all the business professionals are because we're a B2B uh, inbound. We, we create an inbound effect. And we, I mean, I'm happy to tell you like how we do it because we tell everyone to go try it themselves. We just know you can't scale it um, without a bunch of people. And so what we set up as a company is a, a fractional company that, you know, it's a whole marketing team. It's a lead, it's a lead generation strategist and you know, a fractional CMO you, you get for all less than a cost of employee. And we create this inbound wave. It's how I've built my profile from 8,000 to 173,000 people on LinkedIn in a few years. Uh, in, the, in the basics of it, just the, the, the one answer is we go out and comment on our targeted list posts and we do it thoughtfully. We ask questions, we drive engagement on their content, not ours. What, what's an example of that, Thomas? So let's say you're, you know, you're, uh, you're, uh, we're targeting podcast hosts because we're going to help them find more leads for their podcast. And I see you posted uh, an article or a, or a blog or just a post. 
the team we would go out. We would go out as they go out as me, and they go out and they write and they'd read the article or read a little technology to help summarize it. We do a, a thoughtful post that's not too short, not too long, um, or I'm sorry, a thoughtful comment. And we we do it in a way that's point of view. It's reflective. It's you know it's interesting that you said this. Had never thought of that. And then ask a question. And that's the basics of it. When you do that, if you're not connected with the person, oftentimes they'll connect with you. And when they connect with you, the first thing they do is they like the comment you did. They go check out your profile. So the second kind of leg of that stool, um, first being we got to figure out who your profile is. The second being when they come to your profile, you got to make sure it's optimized to convert to a to a call to action. So not that mine's perfect, but if you go to my profile on LinkedIn, it tells you uh, we generate more LinkedIn leads. It gives you what to follow and why you should connect with me. It has a little clever thing in my headline. So we prop we, we optimize those profiles to make sure that when people come visit it and they if they have any interest of what you're doing, they're more likely to connect with you on that moment. And they're even more likely to do your call to action, which might be to meet with you or do whatever, because they may be interested in your services. And that all started within that third leg of that stool, which is that comment, that interaction and even if after we've connected, after even after we've done the inbound, we don't ask for anything. You just put it out there, and and we can get into this. I'll take a pause here if, with this, but I mean that's the basics of it. Uh, I, we have strong views on how you're slowly bleeding your brand to death when you're doing cold email outreach and these cold messages. Uh, but that's what we do. We find leads through a warming up technique that really drives inbound interest. You get hyper growth that way and you get a relevant following base at the same time. Now, now, uh, is AI involved in any of that part of the process or is that all human interaction? So my experience, it, there is AI certainly involved. So, but no, when we did it, no one cared. <laughs> right. It's it actually scared off about half the people. Um, it is all human led. So my expertise being in this intelligent automation and AI systems you need humans leading the technology to keep your brand in place, to keep the miniature um, and automation AI together. You're, you're asking for a disaster right now. Um, and you're also asking to just make it look like you're not really caring, not being authentic. So we use humans. We use AI to help summarize. We use AIs to help capture moments and, and ideas and thoughts. We use GPT-4 to help write some content or improve what we've written. All these things come together. Um, mm. for it. It's all there. Uh, it's all included. But, but the truth of the matter, people care about getting leads. They don't care about as much how you're doing it. So for your specific example, you went from a few thousand to 174,000, I believe, as you mentioned, in a short period of time. Yeah. And when you're targeting people, are you targeting, for you yourself, were you targeting the small business professional? Or was it a lot bigger than just that? Yeah. So when we did it the first year, we were seeing if we could trigger a mass following for the purposes of being an influencer. And the idea that can we figure the algorithms out to do that? And the algorithms are different than they are now. And the resharability of content has changed. And the viral nature of content has changed a bit too. So it would be much, much harder to go do that right now. But it doesn't, but as our growth rate has slowed, the relevance of our following and how they interact is better. So vanity metrics, I wouldn't focus on uh, like follower count and likes and views. You know, we have posts that we might only get eight likes on, but we'll get two leads from. And so we had posts last year that got, you know, half a million views and, you know, and it got zero leads, but we greened, you know, 30,000 followers in an afternoon or something like, you know, so the point is it's not relevant. It's like, oh, people liked it. They thought it was cool and it was easier for them to do it and how they suggested it. So focus on metrics that matter, which are inbound lead effects. It's people connecting into you that you have interest with. It's how many like, you know, calendar invites that they people accept, how many, those things matter. Um, you know, much more in a B2B relationship where you're trying to develop a relationship and trust uh, around, around your product or services or just you. 
Right. So the quality over the quantity in that uh, example, um, that's interesting. So you get 30,000 new followers, but there was no traction from that particular situation. However, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's no traction, at least in that moment. However, you've just increased your, your online influence pretty substantially um, as you're growing this audience base. I'm curious, what was that like for you as you're going to bed every night and waking up in the morning with another few hundred or another few thousand followers? What is that just like emotionally? I was somewhat indifferent to it. It's cool. Uh, what I cared about is the revenue that it would generate, right? And in those, in those like you know, that hyper growth period, you get a lot of, it was a lot of people that were, you know, in countries that we weren't trying to connect people with. We were, you know, a lot of people looking for jobs. There's like a lot of things that, they're important connections to some businesses, but they weren't to what we were doing. Um, and it's nice to get the interactions and do those things. And, but it doesn't, it didn't really drive the brand. So what we switched our, our whole strategy for our customers is let's focus on what, who, and why you're trying to attract certain people, because we work typically with B2B companies that have higher ticket items. The sales cycles are a little bit longer. And, you know, as everyone knows, right. You buy from, you, you know, like, and trust, uh, but we don't believe that's actually complete. The missing piece is relevance. And so you need, if you, you know, if you, if I have a broken car and you fix motorcycles, though, they're both on the road and they're both an on engine. I mean, no, I can trust you, but you're not relevant to my problem. So I'm not going to buy from you. And so you have to be relevant. And, and so we create that relevance faster, which drives no, like, and trust. We keep the relevance throughout, which allows you to kind of suck the air out of the room. And then when you're meeting with individuals that are, you know, or companies that are prospects, You've kind of established that quicker, and, and and they don't need to go anywhere else. As long as your you know unique selling proposition, your pricing, your value proposition is all good, you're going to get picked a lot more. Yeah, often. well, I, but I'm, uh, how do you? F I get that with the no like and trust and the relevance thing, but then in that example, how do you create relevance? If I am the motorcycle mechanic and you're looking for an auto mechanic, how do you make me more relevant towards that auto the auto mechanic opportunity? Well, well, that would be a little bigger strategy question, right? Can you have the capabilities? Do you have the services? Do you have the tooling? All the things you would need. Uh, I would say the step before that's important is the person wouldn't have come to you at all. You would have gotten the person that came to you looking for a bike to get repaired. Um, and the, the relevance happens in the first step, which is um, you know knowing your ideal customer profile. That's one piece. And the second piece is tearing the wall down of, oh, they're trying to sell me something by giving the person attention on the content and the things that they're doing first. So, you know, give, serve, love kind of thing, right? So give, 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 don't ask for things, actually be able, you know, put some authenticity in it, take a little time to get to know the actual person, have a virtual coffee, don't ask for anything, always ask about them, build trust through that. And then you'll build relevance by asking questions to understand who they are, what their problems are, what they do. And almost without fail, usually when you're in that cycle, someone goes, what do you do? And if you, in most time, if your profile is set up correctly and you've done the right messaging, you in the comments, you've done the right questions and listening, they're, they're already actually interested. They're just been waiting to see if you're, you know, going to oversell them or, you know, or, you know, if they like you. And once they've asked you the question, now they're in your sales funnel and off you go. So I want to dig into each of these steps of your lead generation system and just we'll spend a few minutes on each one, if you would. And give us a little more diving in, give us a little more meat and let us know kind of what each phase looks like. So I've looked at your system. You've got four steps, launch, engage, amplify, and dominate. So if you want to lead us off there, no pun intended, uh, Thomas, first yeah. step is, is launch. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. So as I was this week, I'm gonna we've changed the acronym a little bit to be more reflective to what we're doing. So um, it's same, still lead, uh, but really the first step is not really launch; it's really listen. And so it really, it, we're moving it to listen, engage, adapt, deliver. And the reason is because I, I took a every. So I, this is a tip for anybody, business owner. Every quarter, I take a step back to look at our systems, what we're delivering. Is it resonating? Is it actually correct of what we're doing? And when we did launch, it was a much smaller scale. When we launch, engage, amplify, dominate, it was very, it was much smaller scale, a little high, and used a little bit more automation, a little more technology. But the things that work better are what we're doing now, which is more of listen, engage, adapt it, and then deliver it. And so that first phase, we're really understanding you, your your target market's needs. We're looking at their content. We're assessing their activities, their interactions, what their posts about, the brand, all that is part of that. And then when we engage, we're doing it more authentically that would be in line with what they want to hear, expect to hear, would probably be, be better received or resonate by knowing those pieces. Well, let me just stop you real quick, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. And I'm back on the step one on listen. That's that's you guys listening to your client or the client listening to their potential audience? It's or both. maybe both. It's both. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a merging of the, of where your pain points are, what your tolerance levels are, your style, your humor, your what you know, your persona, you personally as a customer, your culture. And then looking at your customers of how they're interacting, what they're doing and how it lines, and then understanding, listening to those to see how you could bring that together so it could work. Because, you know, if, let's say your target clients, you know, an extreme example is some right wing something in politics and you're fully left wing in all your content and posts, you're going to have a problem in the most extreme sense of how you two are going to interact and relate. And so it, that's an extreme example. But the point being is that's how you got to think about it is those are easy to solve because you know the, the 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 diversion. But if you're really close and you don't see some of the nuance, you won't be as relevant in the conversations or how you're doing it. So that's why that matters. It's in the it's in the in the details. And how long does that step usually? What's the timing for that phase? Yeah. So that's anything. So this is continuous improving. So we're always doing that. So there's a lot more load on the beginning when we're onboarding, we're getting to know you. We're we're going back and forth on content creation and doing all these kind of things. We're creating engagement. Then that becomes something that becomes part of like kind of the culture of, of your team that's working with you. They understand you. They understand what the customer is. Um, because we, if we kind of work through the process, right? This is like a daily thing, right? And we engage and we get feedback, which comes into the adapt so we can continuously learn, look at some of the metrics so we can kind of deliver what we need to and improve. That becomes a cycle that's always improving based on what's working, you know, what's closing in the background, what kind of good meetings you have. Uh, for example, you know, we, we, uh, we target typically CEOs, founders, US, certain company size. Uh, during the course of this, you know, I ran into a couple of franchise consultants and, you know, people sell you franchises and, uh, you know, they were pitching me and I, and I asked them just, Hey, you know, what's, what's your, how do you get lead gen? They explain a problem that's in the franchise consultant world. That's like, Oh, the leads aren't good. They're resold. And I explained what we did and they were interested and they signed up. And then I took that out to market and said, Hey, I, we're helping a lot of these franchise companies, you know, like find leads and here's how we're doing it. And that explodes. So we shifted focus because I found an audience that we resonated with because they're out there doing the work as well. And they like the idea of having, you know, people. Brand. So the point is you listen, you engage. We do this with a cybersecurity company that was like kind of all over the place. And it like, I'm like, man, you have 3000, you know, ransomware negotiations. Why aren't you? So we put his brand to that. And now that's taking off a little bit for him. You know, he's had follower count in one month of almost 7% growth in one month. That's like almost a hundred percent annualized growth rate. Right. Um, 
And, and so you see that when you make these shifts and focuses, that's what the lead does. It takes you through that daily cycle of learn, 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 execute, execute, execute. Um, and, and before that's the kind of, you know, the monthly strategy, the daily tasks and plans. And then after that, we do ongoing coaching and strategy uh, sessions with uh, right now it's with me as I have bandwidth. I still do them. So you get all that kind of included into that. So it's a, it's a weekly so, touch point. So that's interesting. So the listening, it's always it's always evolving. It never ends. You don't listen and then stop listening to your point. Right. You're always constantly keeping, because that's that's the way of the world. That's the way of business, regardless of whether you use an AI technology lead generation or not. The engaged piece, the sec- step two, which uh, remains the only one with the same, the same word, engage out of those four, stays the same. Um, when you talk about your clients engaging with their audience, how so? So we manage the social media accounts. Um, so we virtualize computers. We make sure, you know, that we're, <clears throat> excuse me, logging in as, as the as the as the people, or we or we'll take the admin side of running their business. It's better to do it through your personal account. It's more effective. If you go through the business account, it's it's really pay to play, but you can still do a lot of commenting and drive uh, traffic and conversions. It's just slower. And so we we're out there just uh, basically as an admin doing this, but with you know a lot of power behind it. So if you think from an administrative task to get to execute the commenting, there's a whole strategy, marketing team, and you know content writing that goes behind it first, so someone can go execute it. So somebody's got a lead, they've engaged their audience, and now you're teaching them or coaching them to nurture. You can't just have one or two interactions and expect you're going to have deliver a result every time. So You'd be how surprised uh, actually <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, there there's it's a full scale but if someone's in need of what you have and you've given and they've struggled to find like a someone they trust that's usually the step is they're confused they don't know what to go buy you know it's too expensive here it's it's 100 bucks here to go do this it's 10,000 over there and they look like the same and people are confused they don't buy so they're looking for the trust piece if you've taken the time to maybe interact with them and not try to sell them anything which is the opposite which most people do and they look at your profile and it's all set up and you're like, you're inviting them to learn more about them. You're doing exactly what you need to do. So that can happen pretty quickly, actually. Um, there are others who are just, they're already in contracts. They're already doing things. They already have a provider. <clears throat> a provider. You have to kind of take it slow with that. And there is a nurturing piece, but that's okay because you still can comment on their post. You can still personally interact with them. You can suggest them to be in an article. Right. Hey, listen, I've had these issues too before. I'm coughing and <laughs> doing an interview. Oh, so welcome to the club, man. Sorry, I'm not trying to create an edit segment for it you. Happens, uh, happens to me all the time. Uh, I, have, I have three podcasts today and my voice is out. No, <laughs> I hear you. Can you give me like one minute? And do, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Literally, my voice has disappeared like in that. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, yeah, so like you said... Nurturing, nurturing is is part of the process, but sometimes once they realize, hey, I trust this guy, it might not take a whole lot of nurturing. I think is what you were alluding to. Correct. I mean, it, once once you've met with them, they should become your part of your network. So you should be engaging with them occasionally, and you should have like your your processes in place to reach out if they aren't a customer. Because anybody who's not a customer who likes you, because maybe you're not relevant right to them now, but they may know people who are relevant, and they say, hey, this guy seems interesting. You should check it out. Like I may not need it, but my friend does kind of thing. You should always be kind of helping, looking to help others and use the 10 X rule, right? If uh, try to help somebody 10 times before you even ask them for anything. Um, and so that that's a, that's a decent, you know, high standard to follow if you can. 
but the nurturing happens. You, sh- you can do that. You can scale it. It, it, it doesn't have to be, um, I'll give you an example. I, people do about a few thousand comments a, a month through my account, right? You know, we have, I, w- I will tell you though, I, <laughs> let me just pause on that. I will tell you, do not underinvest in what you're doing. So if you're um, or overinvest in the wrong thing. And what I mean by underinvest is we, we used to do these plans that were much less money every month that were, you know, an hour a day. It, it's just not enough. If, if you're going to do this, be serious about getting lead and getting your brand out there, because if you're under utilizing this type of thing you're, and you expect results of X to Y, you know, in, in a, an exponential piece, it's just not going to happen. So at least manage your expectations or invest properly to really put your, you know, your strategy down and go do it. Don't overinvest in things like, you know, cold email or cold outreach without warming because you're just going to bleed your brand to death. I mean, mm. if 5,000 people connect with you or you send 5,000, you know, messages and 100 say, I'm interested, you might be happy, but you just bled 4,900 people spam. Yes. And so, so, so don't do that. Like I was going to ask people, you about that, actually. Yeah, because I mean, it I, works well if you warm up. So, yeah, please do. Yeah, I was going to ask you because... I'm not on LinkedIn currently, but I was uh, several years back. And the one thing that I would hate more than anything is getting these generic emails from somebody that was either a connection or not even a connection. They've got the gold member or whatever it was where they can just shoot you in messages. And it was just the most generic thing. And I, I that was one of the reasons I really didn't like LinkedIn. I mean, it's <laughs> it hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. I was going to say, I can't imagine what your inbox looks like. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's quite a bit of it, but uh, a lot of the ones that, that are, well, so part of how we set this up, not that we organize it, but you're, you're, you, if you do enough outbound, your inbox is oftentimes people thanking you for commenting on the post, looking to connect, learning to do more. And so it's, it's better this way. And when we were doing, you know, only content and we were doing more like, you know, we do this, we, 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 uh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work as well because people are then you're, you're selling all, even if you're giving really good information, like, did you knows? And do you want, you know, could you do these? It's still selling and people see it. Right. But when you do it the other way, it's the exact same thing. You're just changing the order of usually how you interact. So um, Interesting. just get first. Yeah. Yeah. So you move to step three, you're in the engage phase. And then step three, you talk about it is now adapt. Is that correct? Yeah, you adapt based on what you're learning in the moment. So if you're seeing that, you know, lots of people are not connecting in this group, maybe your messaging's off, or maybe your comments are wrong, or maybe it's just a regulated industry you're chasing that no one does that. And they're just, you learn from it. Or maybe you're seeing it like like in the franchise consultants piece, like you see a lot of group that you can certainly help because you're helping them. And so you go after and get a little more. So on that, on that, by the way, that was actually a direct e- cold email outreach to everyone in my network that said, hey, you're in my network. This is your title. Being, and I said, being direct, I can help you because we're helping others. Are you interested? And a lot of people are like, yeah, I would like to learn more. Um, and so if you're going to go do this, be direct and have a reason. You don't have to do a big pitch with 14 links in it and a PDF attached that I'm never going to look at. But uh, here's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. So I get lots of messages, like you said. I will almost never take a call if it's a pair, like it's paragraphs you send me as an email. Almost, I mean, almost never, because I won't read it. If you send me a clever one-liner that says, hey, being direct, you know, we do this. Would you, you would you give me 15 minutes just to, to learn a bit about what you're doing to see if this could help? I'll, I'll probably take that call mm. um, for two main reasons. One, I respect that they, they did it short and I want to meet the person because I might want to hire them. And two, uh, I'm going to try to flip the script. <laughs> so, uh, but at least they got to the point where they're, 
they're they got it. So, so if you're going to do it, just be direct. Um, because right. then, then at least you're on the same page as people. What, what, what is the other, what is the flip side of that look like when you say multiple paragraphs, what kind of jargon are they? That's well, I mean, off? it's some welcoming comment. It's followed up by, uh, industry related things they are doing for others, some proof points, um, of this, some be- or value statement, and then usually a link out to, you know, meet, go to my website, go do something, you know, create work for me. Mm. <laughs> and so yeah, if you're Got doing it. that, it doesn't work at any point. Stop doing that. If you're doing that out there, if you're listening to this, stop doing that. So good advice. And I think you mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk about at least highlight the most common mistake, which is probably the most, by far the most common mistake is people are always trying to sell, 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 sell. And you're saying that's a turnoff. Don't don't always look for the sale. Build the relationship, build trust, build relevance. So I, I assume I assume everyone's always trying to sell right off the rip. And you're saying, I mean, if, if you get an opportunity, right, and someone asks you for a proposal, they ask you what you do. You're not, we don't sell anything, but people can buy our services. That, that's how we look at it. And they're available there to help you. And if you're ready for it, and you're in that, you know, and you're you're serious about it, and you're interested. That's when we want you to come to us. I don't want to sell you anything because one, you're not going to stick around. You know, most of our customers are, you know, well, they're ongoing, 12, 15, 18, 24 months, right? They're, they've been there for a long time. Um, because we drive value every month. We're a month-to-month service. So it's every month driving value, drive value. That's that's the idea and model. If I sell you anything, it doesn't last. We we would sell, we get some people to sign up that didn't probably fully commit themselves to it. And they last a month, maybe 90 days. And it's just too much work to get to know you and get your everything set up and get the brand and, and then, then for you just to kind of quit it off because you're just not fully convinced because you're expecting, you know, exponential results in 30 or 45 days. Um, also there's typically a personality that comes in with that. That's very, uh, they chase perfect. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Not that's, the ideal client or customer. Well, right? that person is always going to struggle with everything, um, for scale. Cause if you chase perfect and by the way, for those who do chase perfect, no one cares, but you. So just know that chasing perfect does not actually help you. It hurts you just chase good enough and be real. Mm. That might be the most powerful advice I've heard, uh, at least this week. So that was, I like that. And then four, it used to be dominate, but now you're calling it deliver. So first question is why change that term from dominate to deliver and then explain what deliver really means. Yeah. So dominate with us and and deliver are kind of the same piece is that you're taking over your market piece and you're, we're we're delivering the inbound interest as promised. So as you go through the cycle of, of, of listening and engaging and adapting to it, that delivers inbound leads, that delivers inbound interest that delivers that relevance piece of being known, like, and trusted. Uh, and to deliver that takes those other steps. And, you know, you know, when we used to call it launch instead of listen, it's really kind of the beginning state. But the truth of the matter is every every month we're, we're doing the same things over and over after we've launched you. So it's really, we're going past onboarding and getting into the process of how we do it day to day. Interesting. And anybody can work with you guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there are two two biggest requirements are that you have uh, you have a budget to actually work with us. Uh, so we, we're not pro bono. And second, we really want you to be of an entrepreneurial mindset. And what I mean is that we don't do things uh, in the traditional sense of uh, of marketing. We we are you know we are lean. We are to the point. Incredibly agile. Um, where you know day to day we can change if we need to. And we move usually faster than our customers can. So like, you have to be an entrepreneur spirit to kind of really enjoy the stuff. And that could be a person, that could be a small business, that could be an entrepreneur, but you have to have the mindset that 
I need value out of my dollars. I need to move fast and I expect reasonable results. And, and I'm going to work with you guys to make it happen. Make Treat us like a partner, not a vendor. Right. We'll right. never act like a, a vendor. We will call your baby ugly at times. We need to. <laughs> That's what a true partner does. Um, we're getting close to finishing up, but let's say somebody's listening right now. They don't have a budget and they're still young. Maybe they're in college. Maybe they're post-grad, whatever. And they're trying to get themselves out there. They're trying to build their brand. They're in the infancy stages and they're using LinkedIn. What kind of advice, what kind of low-hanging fruit would you say is the absolute most important thing that they should be doing right now in order to build their influence and become more relevant? Yeah, well, that's a great question because we meet young people and people in their 50s who have no budget and they're just starting. But what I tell you is go do it yourself. I mean, we, we explain exactly how we do it. I want you to go do it yourself. First of all, uh, it'll give you appreciation of the effort. It'll help us eventually focus on what we can do for you because you've done it and you've seen what's worked and not worked. Um, and you'll be well more educated on what you're doing and getting. But do exactly what, like I said, go find your targeted list, go build a relevant network by commenting. Don't sell anything, just be who you're trying to become and make sure your profiles are optimized to project the you know personal brand image or executive eminence that you want to display. Mm. And just be authentic in how you're doing it and just go do the work yourself. Start with an hour a day or two hours a day. Try to do minimum a couple posts a week and and and, and go give other people attention and do it authentically uh, with the idea that you're trying to build a relevant network chasing a longer term goal that's maybe 12 months or more out. Yeah, that, that that's to me the, the thing that most people miss is they do, and you know better than me, but they have the nice profile, they're liking, they're commenting maybe, but they're not really giving thoughtful commentary. They're not taking the time to go read that person's post right. and then add some kind of valuable piece of commentary underneath it. Yeah. And it, well, if you're, if you're using things, some automation tools or, uh, you know, engagement pods where people are going, nice share, great post. Right. First of all, they won't help your fair, your, your resharability anymore. So comments have to be a certain degree. They can't be, um, similar to other post comments you've made on others. So it can't, you have to have originality. So the algorithms do look at that. Um, they have, I mean, they just, the thing can tell if it's fake or not. Uh, but yeah, don't do that. It doesn't do any good, honestly. I mean, unless you don't have time, then fine. But if you're going to go take a time, go read the post, give someone the actual respect they did for putting the content out there and and, and uh, have an opinion to some degree. Let me ask you, Thomas, what's your long-term goal with your LinkedIn account? Oh, that's a great question. My goal eventually is not to have any social media. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to, I'll be um, possibly on a golf course or fishing. Um, I've handed it off to my son. We just changed his pictures because he has the same name. But the, the, uh, the, the, the idea with the whole company and the, the piece is to, uh, you know, build the company, get it, get it you know, sustainably big and, and repeatable and either, you know, sell it or let it, let it be something the kids, you know, my kids take over at some point if they, if they've earned the right to be do so. Uh but I, I don't really have a goal for it. I will tell you, I think in my older years, I don't think I want social media because I've lived it so long. Right. Um, I'll, I'll be love to be in a place where I'm focusing more on grandkids and you know the, the seasonal life that I'm in at that point. No doubt. Uh, and, and very interesting stuff. Uh, where can people, I know you want to leave a, a, a phone number that people could find you at, but tell us where they can find you online, social media, and then if you want to leave the phone. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I tell people to go to instantlyrelevant.com. It's always changing. Uh, often the Taylor's kids are naked there. So excuse the website. We, we use LinkedIn mostly. <laughs> but instantlyrelevant.com, if you book time, it will be with me um, at, at this point in 2023. 
And uh, I do this, if you got to this point in the podcast uh, and, and you want you, you know, to get direct time with me for, for real, is I give my personal phone number out so you can text it. Don't call because I won't pick up a number I won't know. Um, but if you say, hey, I heard your podcast and, and you know, Nate's show and, you know, the, the, the life and, and you, you just tell me where you came from, I'll, I'll make sure I give you a direct contact to account in my personal calendar to find time. And my number, it's a U.S. number. So plus one, three, one, four, nine, five, four, six, nine, zero, zero. That's right. Three, one, four, nine, five, four, six, nine, zero, zero. It's actually this phone. You can't see this unless you're watching. The there it is. I see the proof. Hey, man, uh, fascinating topic. I know you live it every day for us, uh, uh, all the rest of us. It's it's something that I'm still struggling to wrap my head around, but uh, I know I better do it soon because AI is here to stay. Uh, really appreciate your time and, and insight and advice and, and best of luck to you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Anybody who's listened this long as well, thanks for staying, staying the course.